Warrior Inflammation is brought to you by those dreams where you trip over something and your legs move because your brain is stupid. Welcome, foolish mortals, to For Your Inflammation. Listen, if you dare. Welcome to For Your Inflammation, a podcast about good movies, better cocktails, and best friends. We're your hosts, Zach. And I'm John. This week, we continue our Slasher Halloween series. And our next stop is the man of your dreams, Freddy Krueger, in his film debut, A Nightmare on Elm Street from 1984. Yeah, love me some Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, it's a movie that I was always like mystified by as a kid because I never had any like actual exposure to it. And then when I actually saw it, it didn't disappoint. No, it it really it hits all the marks. I'm, I'm not crazy about the ending, but other than that, I mean, it hits all the marks. It's 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 pretty fucking 80s to to be completely honest. It is. It's very 80s. Even more so like you look at uh Friday the 13th and we kind of talked about last time how you know the movie is in 1980 but it kind of is more of like a 70s flavored movie but you look at it as the whole package you look at the first few movies when you try to judge the series right and um i would say that uh for me nightmare on elm street is probably one of the more consistent franchises i've seen most of this and like it falls off at about uh nightmare on elm street 4 but i mean other than that like it's not bad um you know wes craven had very little involvement with the series other than like um the first one and then writing the third and uh coming back to direct the final freddy film that was uh just freddy because technically the final film canonically in this series is freddy versus jason that's uh what a way to end the series what a way to end it um god freddy versus jason is such a giant piece of shit movie (laughs) oh my god oh but anyway so john what what do you like and not like about nightmare on elm street obviously you've seen this one so it's a little bit different from the course of what we usually do on this podcast right so i have seen this movie a couple times uh i think that this is one of the more creative horror movies of the 80s yes um i think that it is very entertaining even if it's not super scary and uh, there are people out there that think this movie is terrifying and that's good and fine and that's how it should be uh i don't think that most people most adults that see this movie will find it to be scary necessarily but uh it is super atmospheric it is super halloween flavored and it is super 80s oh for sure i mean the the movie to me is not very scary there's some really good kills even in the first one which is uh a little bit different from the first friday the 13th i feel like there are no creative or good kills in that one but yeah yeah it's all pretty expected but a nightmare on elm street like um it's basically like a grown-up cartoon where the cartoons just happen to be real live actors yeah and that's part of the fun of it like it's part of that dreamlike trance state that you are kind of in for the duration of the film exactly and also i kind of love that even though i think this predates mtv it's still kind of shot like a music video i see what you mean 
Yeah, and I don't know if that's just 80s cinematography, but, like, I feel like you could you could throw up Nightmare on Elm Street, like, basically to whatever album you want to, and it might actually sync up because it's, it's just that it looks like a music video. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see what you mean there. A lot of the shots, like in the beginning, the, the alleyway scene where uh, her friend leaves the house and goes outside that looks like the michael jackson bad music video or something yeah exactly like that that's what i'm saying and i mean and of course it's the 80s so it's very cheesy it's got bratty teenagers in it like the clothes are very 80s the dialogue is 80s it's also got johnny depp in his first film role ever yeah that's tons of fun oh yeah and like almost unrecognizable like you would not think that that is johnny depp when you look no at no no if movie. you know it ahead of time you're like oh look there he is but if you don't you're like oh, look how he's kind of familiar exactly like i feel like i've i've seen him trimming people's uh beards before cutting someone's neck or having scissors on his hands but i can't quite place him oh huh, it's almost like huh it's almost like he's a like a disney star hmm Are <laughs> oh, they hands God. on this man Dear God, uh, can we can we not talk about the Alice in Wonderland uh, live action? Is it a remake? Is it a reboot? I don't know. That that one's weird. Yeah, yeah, it's like a it's like a vivid reimagining. I, I almost oh, feel like okay. they should have had like M Night Shyamalan direct it. Oh dear God, no! I mean, like he would have at that time he would have been hot off of uh, Last Airbender. So there's absolutely no way anyone's trusting him with anything. Even people who don't like Avatar: The Last Airbender know that that movie's a piece of shit. That's how bad it is. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. All right, well, enough about all of that. I need to fill my brain with some more pumpkin alcohol knowledge. John, can you help me out? Yeah, I absolutely can. Okay, so uh, we've covered beer, we've covered wine, and now it's time to cover liquor. So liquor is uh, not necessarily the most complicated uh, beverage to flavor, and here's why. It's got such a high ABV that it can kind of pull things out of other objects, and that's why flavored vodkas in particular are so common. That's how gin works too. So we've kind of touched on this before in the distilling process of uh, those types of liquors. Um, really, it's just a matter of when you're going to add the flavor and how you're going to do it. So if you just uh, take like a bottle of vodka and you drop a few cinnamon sticks in it, over the course of a few days, you're going to end up with cinnamon vodka. That's just the way that those types of denaturing chemicals work, right? So if you add pumpkin to something, it's going to pull the flavors out of whatever pumpkin thing you put in it. In this particular case, I, I don't think I would really recommend just dropping chunks of pumpkin into a jar full of vodka. Like, you can do that with fruits. Like, you know, we talked about doing this with other cocktails like the berry mix that we made a few episodes back, where we just had a mason jar full of vodka with a bunch of raspberries and strawberries in it. Okay, yeah, that works. That's one way to flavor a vodka. I don't think that's really what you're going to want to do with a pumpkin vodka, because again, the gourd pumpkin does not really taste like the pumpkin-flavored stuff that we're used to getting in our fall treats. Mm -hmm. So for pumpkin, I really wouldn't recommend doing that with the, the actual pieces of pumpkin. You really want to get something that's more flavored like what you expect. So like your pies or a spice mix or something like that. Uh, and add that to a liquor if that's how you want to flavor it. There are pre-made pumpkin liqueurs that you can get. Um, they're not super common. I'd say they're maybe about as common as pumpkin wines, but they're out there. Uh, and then, of course, you get, like, novelty pumpkin spice type things. Those types of things exist, too. So, uh, there's a few ways to do this. Uh, if, if you wanted something flavored, like, with a pumpkin spice kind of flavor, you could probably just go to Starbucks and get a pumpkin spice latte, add some Baileys, add some whipped cream vodka, there you go. You know, you can do that type of thing, too. Right. And, um, that's just called being an alcoholic. Um, I think the worst thing I ever did of this nature was, um, adding grain alcohol to a, uh, Baja Blast Freeze. Oh, you put grain alcohol? 
alcohol in it. See, I always put tequila in it. See, that would have been a good idea, but all I had was grain alcohol for some reason. I see. Yeah, when all you have is grain alcohol, you know, you gotta wonder how you got there. Hey, it was my roommate's. I don't even know how we got there. Mm-hmm. Got it. I need to be drunk. I'm getting off my pizza deliverance shift. I've done slanging the Zaw. I just need to forget all about that. Yeah, it's like that old biblical proverb. Do not let the left hand know what the right hand is doing, for the right hand clutches a bottle of grain alcohol. <laughs> I've never understood that passage, like, and, and people always end up using it in the weirdest context. Yes. All right, well, thank you, John. Um, I'm sure you'll have something very exciting for us in the finale, uh, which will be coming out next week. But for right now, we need to make sure that Frank Synopsis gets his $5.50 so he can get the fuck out of our studio. Frank, how the hell you doing, buddy? I am doing just fine. Glad to be here again. You want to see something really cool? Uh... I'm terrified, but sure. Yeah, this guy right here. Oh, God, what the fuck, Frank? Oh, well, you see, I have this problem with canned food where, you know, I can't open it with my own hands. I'm not as strong as I used to be. So I uh, made this funky little glove with a bunch of can openers on it. That, I mean, I guess it's practical. Are you going to sell that to QVC or something? Dude, don't get so close to me with that. I could see it from there. You don't have to put it in my face. Oh, yeah, sorry. It's a little rusty. It's very rusty. I can smell the rust from here. Like, do you clean those after you open the cans? Uh, if I have some grain alcohol nearby, yes. Oh, God. Frank, so I'm guessing you're you're invoking your inner Freddy Krueger today. Who's Freddy Krueger? Jesus Christ. Did you watch A Nightmare on Elm Street? Oh, yeah, that Freddy Krueger. Okay. Oh, I see a striking resemblance here. Yes, Frank. It's very, very convenient that you decided to come up with uh, your Frankie can opener hands idea on the day that we're covering a nightmare on Elm Street. Alright, Frank. <laughs> if you'll just give a if you'll just give us a quick synopsis of a nightmare on Elm Street, that would be great. Alright, let's get right into it. Nancy Thompson is her normal American teenager. She goes to school, she's got a friend, she's got a boyfriend, she's got a madman trying to kill her in her dreams. After a string of attacks on herself and her friends, Nancy has no choice but to bring the fight to the real world. Beautiful. Very succinct. Very, very good to go. Alright, Frank, if you will just, um, not touch me with your fucking can opener hand and, uh, just grab your 550, um, I'm sure Craft Services put something out there for you. You're the only All one right, that I'm there. looking forward to it. Always am. All right. Thank you, Frank. All right. See you later. All righty. John, are you back with us? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so your refrigerator. Yes, the refrigerator in the studio. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, did you like cut a hole in the front of it for any particular reason? Are you making a kegerator? Um, no, but I mean, if the hole's there, we might as well. Okay, okay, yeah. No, I like where this is going. I, I don't know who did that or how, but you know. Well, Frank made his own, um, can opener like hand attachments so it, that's wow <laughs> yeah so i'm guessing he was testing it out on our fridge that's definitely gonna have to come out of his pay but if we can make a kegerator out of it i think that we probably he probably just did us a favor oh okay yeah no i'm definitely down for it all righty so you got your synopsis you kind of know what we're talking about you know a little bit more about alcohol you know what depths I've gone to for alcohol. Let's get right into the shit. We're going to tell you all about A Nightmare on Elm Street. All right, so this film was directed by 
the god, the, the, the master of modern meta-horror cinema, Wes Craven, may he rest in peace. Yes, not to be confused with Wes Anderson. No, very different, very different. However, I would like to see Wes Anderson do a uh, Wes Craven remake. I think that would be interesting. That would be pretty fun. I'm thinking like uh, like Scream, but it's in Claymation. <laughs> Just dogs dying. Like, yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. he just does another movie of just all dogs dying. That's great. How? You know what? That's a horror movie in and of itself. Why did they market that movie to children? Anyway. um, So, yes, Wes Craven, uh, most famous for creating Scream. Uh, mo- More people are probably familiar with Scary Movie, which is basically just Scream, but a little more ridiculous. Yeah, a farcical version. A farcical version of a thing that was already a farce and a meta thing. I still don't know how they... They got permission to make Scary Movie because mm-hmm. it's basically just dumb Scream. Like, cause Scream is actually pretty like inventive and like fun. It pokes fun at the whole horror genre itself while itself being a horror film. Right. And then Scary Movie comes along and just does the same thing, but like adds some like fart jokes. Yeah, it's like American Pie, but with knives. Exactly. I don't. I don't. Even, I don't even know how they made that movie. Although I will say the first Scary Movie is worth a while if you are um, partaking of the cannabis. It, it yeah, is. or if you're uh, just watching, uh, you know, network television late at night, Scary Movie 4 is bound to come on. Oh, exactly. But <laughs> I think it's the first Scary Movie where he's, like, chasing the girl and he, like, stabs her breast implants out. That shit is hilarious as fuck, honestly. Like, that gets me every time. It's been a minute since I've seen the first one. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's 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 worth a revisit. The rest of them, you can fucking forget it. Um, The movie was produced by Robert Shea. Uh, it was written by, you guessed it, Wes Craven. And uh, this movie has a bunch of stars in it. Uh, John Saxon as Lieutenant Don Thompson. Uh, he was a uh, Western star in the 60s and 70s. Uh, Ronnie Blakely as Marge Thompson. Heather Langerkamp as Nancy Thompson, Amanda Wiss as Tina Gray, Nick Corey as Rod Lane, Robert England as Freddy Krueger, the only yeah. Freddy Krueger I recognize. Honestly, he's about the only Freddy Krueger there is. He's played Freddy Krueger in most of the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah, I think the only one he hasn't is uh, the 2010 remake. Right, and that's because he, you know... He's older, yeah. and yeah. he didn't want to. <laughs> It'd be weird if you did a remake of a movie, but, like, with all the original actors. Yeah, yeah, just like they're all, like, 23 years older. Yeah, and it's just like, why are you doing this? Um, And then this little movie, as we mentioned earlier, also stars little Johnny Depp as uh, Glenn Lance. Uh, Johnny Depp, recently back from the... Uh, the abyss of the Me Too movement. Uh, turns out that he is completely absolved, and I couldn't be happier. Right, yeah. Justice for Johnny. I mean, did you see that pirate costume he was wearing? Practically asking for it. Oh, <laughs> That made me sad. I won't uh, apologize for that. I, you won't apologize for that? All right, I guess I can't cut it. Uh, John does get certain... Um, <laughs> he gets final cut privileges. He gets to tell me what I can't say, but I can't tell him what he can't say. You see, it's a men's issue, Zach. So we get to have fun at other people's expense because we are men. Yikes. All right, so the music was by Charles Bernstein. Um, cinematography by Jacques Hotchkin. Um, edited by Patrick McMahon and uh, Rick Shane. Uh, the production companies are New Line Cinema, Media Home Entertainment, and Smart Egg Pictures. Uh, dis- Smart Egg. Smart Egg Pictures. I don't know what else they've done. But uh, distributed by New Line Cinema. Uh, the, it was released on November 9th, 1984 in the United States with a budget of 
$1.8 million. And of course, as these things are apt to do, a box office return of $57 million. And you know, when you're doing basic math and you think like, wow, that's a lot of money. I mean, you round that up to $2 million, around the other one up to $60 million. Okay, so it's like... 30 times the budget they made back but then you look at like friday the 13th that had a half million dollar budget and made the same amount of money you're like oh wow that's significantly more now exactly like this is a this is a higher budget horror film which i mean still a million a little over a million and a half dollars closer to two million dollars it's still really not a lot to spend on a movie especially in 1984 and especially now like i mean most movies cost at least two million dollars oh yeah yeah. it would be rare to see a movie shop for less than that that wasn't like a niche independent thing or uh you know something like that yeah like some independent film like i mean you hear it all the time people go to festivals with movies that they made for five hundred dollars um kevin smith made clerks on ten thousand dollars like i mean it does happen like there are movies that make it to the stratosphere of the pop culture and uh you know they don't they didn't really cost that much to make and like studios love stuff like that and they hop on it immediately because i mean it's it's all money like you pay the person who made that like you know what a million dollars but you know you're gonna make like you know 50 million off the thing like i mean why why wouldn't you do that yeah it's a good investment if you uh can be sure that someone's gonna make more money on it oh exactly and i mean it doesn't work out every time but for the times it does work out everybody's richer everybody's happy ah yes all right let's let's uh i'm gonna tell you a little story all about freddy krueger or more specifically wes craven in 1970, uh, the LA Times ran several articles describing what was called at the time an Asian death syndrome. Uh, this affected men from 19 to 59 who had fled from Laos, Cambodia, and Vietnam. Uh, they suffered from vivid, horrific nightmares and one day would just die in their sleep. Hmm. Wes Craven saw this and began to spin the yarn of a nightmare on Elm Street in his head. He said this. He also said that the song "Dreamweaver" by Gary Wright also solidified his idea for this. I hear the inspiration on the weird synth thing, but I don't hear it in the rest of the song. Oh, Dreamweaver, kill them kids in their sleep tonight. It's in the Love lyrics, it. John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's in the lyrics. You know, uh, <laughs> he's got the glove on while he's recording in the studio. <laughs> he just, he happened to have like a like that thing that they catch ravens on at like renaissance fairs and he's just like dream weaver i can get you through the night asian death syndrome hmm i think we have a franchise i wish yeah. i wish that people's brains worked like that that would be fucking amazing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and honestly for an asian death syndrome i didn't see a lot of asians dying in this movie no it's still the 80s representation is not great around this mm-hmm. time unless we are of course talking about michael jackson's bad music video exactly um i mean to be honest like it was the 80s so it was actually kind of amazing that you know like italians and irish people were allowed to be in american movies so i mean Hey, we'll take what we can get. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. So Freddy Krueger himself is drawn from Craven's early life. Uh, He says one night when he was very young, he saw a man walk on the side path of his parents' home. The old man took a long glance at Craven and then walked away. The fear that Craven felt was the same he wanted to give audiences. Little did he know is that that was just, uh, you know, that was Frank synopsis after slamming four bottles of Mad Dog 2020. <laughs> 
Frank Synopsis has been known to walk the earth a few times. Yeah, um, yeah. And you know what? He should be scared. He should be. I, I, if I saw Frank Synopsis anywhere other than this studio, I'd be terrified. Okay, so Craven originally wanted Freddy Krueger to be a child molester, but due to the long string of molestation cases going on in California at the time, he decided to make him a child killer because that would be easier to stomach as an audience. And to that I say, okay? Yeah, you know, it, I don't know exactly where this comes from because I don't think this is the same thing as we were talking about in Friday the 13th where it's like this Reagan-era weird moral purity thing. But um, I don't think that applies when we're talking about, like, child molestation. I, I, no. I don't think you can, it's not the same thing. No, it's not. Um, it's it, it. It was it was a problem. They were like the state of California and really the United States was having a very large problem with uh, this in the early '80s, and I don't know why. But um, fuck them. Yeah, it's probably all the lead in the water. Uh, you know, the thing about doing it with a killer and not with the you know someone who's molesting children is that you know when you kill people they're dead but when you molest them they're still alive so that's uh you know that's that's why that's terrible it's i mean any of it is terrible but yes um we are a <laughs> it, needless to say we we are very anti any of that yeah don't do it but i do have to say um if i had to pick if freddy krueger was a child molester or a child murderer i guess i'd pick the latter yeah yeah i guess uh it, it's easier to make a story about because there's not there the implications are fewer the implications yeah anyway. you don't have to fill in the blanks yeah you don't have to fill in the blanks there's no dot dot dots on those yeah all right so craven had this to say about freddy in a sense freddy stands for the worst of parenthood and adulthood the dirty old man the nasty father and the adult who wants children to die rather than help them prosper he's the boogeyman and what and the worst fear of children the adult that's out to get them he's a very primal figure sort of like chronos devouring his children the evil twisted perverted father figure that wants to destroy it is a able to get them at their most vulnerable moment which is when they're asleep ah you know what uh that is true kids are most vulnerable when they're asleep they're also most vulnerable when uh you know they trust you and you tell them to go fuck themselves exactly like um being dismissive to children while it is the easiest thing in the moment you are gonna have to pay for therapy later so i suggest not doing it yeah <laughs> All right, so uh, Craven apparently named Freddy Krueger after a childhood bully of his, and I would 100% do this. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, how else are you going to get to somebody like that? Like, because <laughs> you know that guy's probably working at, like, an auto shop, and they're and all the guys are going to come in like, Hey, it's Fred Krueger. Did you kill anyone last night, Fred Krueger? And then he's going to go, God damn it, I'm never going to get away from this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, he never got over it. He never got out of being 13 years old, like, in Ex his head. Exactly. He's still pummeling little Wes Craven with uh, dodgeballs in his head, not realizing that Wes Craven has taken his name and made millions. <laughs> yes. So who really won here? I don't know. It depends on what period of time you're in. When you're 13 years old, that guy won. A couple years later, Wes Craven wins. That's how this works. Hey. 
Some people peak in middle school. It's weird. Anyway, <laughs> um, so the red and green sweater was chosen because according to a 1982 article in Scientific American, red and green are the two most clashing colors to the human retina, which makes me wonder, why Christmas then? Okay, so there's a few reasons for this, I think. Uh, one is that red is the color of blood, and, uh, you know, th- there's all the, the stuff about blood, and then red is also the color of... Um, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer's nose. Exactly. And, but so, if they're so clashing, then why do we associate red and green with Christmas, then? Um... Could it ritual be... Ritual magic. Could it be the clashing of commercialism and the dying art of religion in the American people? Could it be a subtle reference to... How these two were once conjoined, but it are now separate? No, I, I don't know about that. I think I'm just gonna, uh, I'm gonna make some kind of tree topper thing with a Freddy Krueger glove. Hey, you know what? I'm down with that. Uh, my tree topper is a Mario star. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. <laughs> it is fun. I like it. All you right. can just get, like, a dildo and stick it on the top, too? Hell yeah. Um, it's pretty high up there, so I don't know how I'm gonna get it in my butthole, but, um, I will try. Oh, uh, okay, okay. It. You took a pragmatic view of this and i don't like it (laughs) hey man you i can only i can only give you what you throw at me all right so the knife glove was dreamed up by craven because he didn't want the killer to just have a big knife like all the other slashers Uh he wanted freddy krueger to not be like all the other girls and yeah i'm not like other slashers yeah I'm i'm not like the other slashers um so craven took the idea to prop master jim doyle who ultimately made two versions of the glove um the quote-unquote hero glove which was used when actual cuts needed to be made like in uh like when he slashes the sheets or whatever and then the glove with duller blades that was less likely to cause harm to other people ah that's fun I'm, i'm glad that they did this and they didn't just roll with the one glove exactly because uh that could have gotten dangerous real quick uh, but, uh yeah but at the same time can we talk about how impractical knife fingers would be look when you're a child murderer you know <laughs> it, it's hard enough to get ki- like it's, it's hard enough to catch kids they're small and they're either really sticky or really slippery neither of one is really a thing you want to try to grab in motion and then I think it's easier to just not have to grab them and then use the knifey thing on them you can just grab them with the knifey thing Right, because it's like, do you want to be a cougar? Like, do you want to be, like, a lion? Because that's the only thing I can think of. Like, I've just always thought that the finger gloves would be, like, really impractical because you'd have to put a lot of force behind it, like, especially to stab someone with them. Yeah. So, like, because, like, a big knife has a handle for a reason. It's because, like, you can grip down on it and, like, you know, use the motion of your... Of your, like, um, forearm and your biceps to get it through. But with, like, your fingers... I mean, unless you're doing, like, finger crunches all day every day, I just can't really see your fingers being strong enough to, like, stab someone outright. Unless you're, like, just using your entire arm to do the stabbing motion. Maybe the idea is that it's more of a torturer's weapon than a, uh, a fast killer's weapon. Ah, uh, you know what? That makes more sense. Because it would... But, like, I guess I'm taking it from, like, especially uh, in uh, Tina's murder scene which is fucking brilliant by the way and we're going to talk about that here in a minute um like you you see the you see the claws go through her uh-huh so that's why i'm like so how does that work then like like 
can you really do that? Well, at that point, he's just got supernatural powers, and I think I would be comfortable chalking it up to that. But, like, you know what? I see you're what right. you mean. I, I see what you mean, though. No, you're right. I, I guess I'm not thinking about that. I'm thinking about, like, real-world implications, because, like you said, it would really just be torturous. Like, I can't I can't see that being a practical form of weaponry. Right, anyway. right, right. <laughs> Let's move off of weaponry and let's talk about where New Line Cinema was at uh, at the time of this release. Ah, so, this is going to be fun. So Craven started to shop the script around Hollywood, but no one was taking the bait. You know, <laughs> he probably started with that child molester shit and they were probably like, yeah, no, we're good. Yeah, a um, big boardroom full of Hollywood executives be like, this guy's going to fucking expose us. Okay, I, I don't I don't buy all of that, but okay. All right. I don't buy all of it either. I buy like 94% of it. Jesus Christ, John. All right, so the first studio to show interest was Walt Disney Studios. Of and, fucking course they did. And might I just add, God damn you, Michael Eisner. Um, all right, so they would have required Craven to tone down the sex, violence, and language, and of course, Craven naturally refused outright uh-huh he didn't even want to cut the movie he'd already made in his head <laughs> let you know, alone like try and go back and be like okay take everything out of it i want to know exactly what like the breakdown for the cuts would have been is it like 90 percent of the sexual content has to go five percent of the language and five percent of the violence has to go well i mean the movie's not very heavy on language i think there's like maybe four or five fucks in it mm -hmm. so i mean it would be easy to take the language out like if walt disney studios because i don't think at this time they had touchstone pictures so um if they could have released it under the touchstone pictures banner it would have been a lot easier and they wouldn't have had to worry as much mm -hmm. but um, I mean, in the sexual part of it, I think that, like, I'm with Craven on that one. Because it kind it's kind of the point. It's part of the theme of the film. Right. So when you take the sexual aspects out of it, it kind of, like, the movie wouldn't work. And then without the extreme violence, like, why is anyone going to watch this? So, like, it would have been a very boring film had it, like, fallen in Disney's hands. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> Although, we would have gotten a sweet Freddy Krueger musical number, and I think that's something that we desperately need. You're probably right. I also want to see Freddy Krueger right up there with Elsa and uh, Woody <laughs> the cowboy. <laughs> his fucking melted-ass face and his, like, weird glove. They probably would have had to have taken the knives off it. They probably would have given him, like, forks. <laughs> he's gonna eat ya yeah exactly but he never actually eats anybody you know he just he just talks about it there's like a legend about it but you never see him eat anybody <laughs> Wes Craven's just in that meeting like okay I okay I can see taking the knives off that's that's fine I, I can see that what if he had forks well what does he use the forks for to eat ass get out I, I like it I like it. <laughs> I, I, I'm not even gonna ask any questions about how that works I, I'm never I'm not gonna like the answer so why would I ask the question I'm gonna eat your ass kid Anyway. Uh, nope, we went back to Child Blaster territory. <laughs> no, it's not. It's 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 playful. It's right on the edge. Because he's literally going to eat their ass. It, that is not, not better. <laughs> hey, man, that's where all the fat is. All right, so <laughs> Universal and Paramount also passed. They also that's, that's passed fun. on supporting our podcast. Paramount passed this up? They did Nightmare on, or they did Friday the 13th four years before. I know. Well, probably because they were like, we can make those movies for $500,000 and you want a million and a half dollars. Get the fuck out of here. I, um, I guess. So he then shopped it to New Line Cinema, who at the time was an up-and-coming independent film distributor, and they chose to back Nightmare. This was their first time producing a film only having distributed before. Uh, they needed 
get a lot of help financing the film. So two English investors contributed 40 and 30, 40% and 30%. Uh, producers from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre contributed 10%. And Media Home Entertainment contributed 20%. Now that was the first leg. About like halfway through pre-production, one of the English backers backed out only four weeks from the production. Um, and um, Media Home Entertainment came came out swinging and ponied up the 40% lost, uh, making them the main financial source for the film. And uh, of course, this all worked out for them. Spoiler alert. Uh, I told yes. you how much the movie made. And this actually like made New Line Cinema kind of an up-and-comer. Like they started um, making more movies. They made a shit ton of Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Right. Uh, and because of the financial success of those movies and other movies that they ended up producing, um, i.e. fucking Lord of the Rings. Right. Um, they, began, they became known as the house that Freddy built. Now that's fun to think about Freddy and Frodo Baggins. Do you think Frodo Baggins looks enough like a kid for Freddy to be interested? Um, I actually don't know how Hobbit, Hobbit ages work. I, because don't they age slower than humans do? Yeah, they do. I don't think they actually become, like, full-grown adults until, like, 40 or 50 years old. Oh, okay, so, I mean, like, I mean, technically, if Freddy Krueger wanted, he could just go to the Shire, and he could fucking murder kids for, you know, forever. You know, I'm sure there's, like, some weird, like, uh, lore in the Cimmerillion about, like, a dream-murdering creature, and it, it could just be him it could just be freddy krueger i would love that i would love if J.R.R. tolkien actually wrote the genesis of this and i would love to believe that it's all written in the stars but it's not everything's hopeless there is no god there is only freddy krueger again right. hot takes hot takes hot takes if you still believe there's a god in this time i don't know what to tell you anyway but good for you i i, I do applaud anyone who believes in uh, whatever i don't i don't bash anyone for their religion so i'm sorry i'm not trying to be mean all right let's talk about cast Craven had this to say about uh, finding his Freddy Krueger. I looked at hundreds of guys and a lot of old men. All right, stop right there. That's all I needed to hear. <laughs> I wanted somebody that was very agile. I learned from making films like The Hills Have Eyes that it wasn't the bigness of the villain that paid off. It was the evil he was able to transmit as an actor. I wanted someone who was an actor rather than a stuntman. Somebody who could convey a sense of evil and who was very enthusiastic about getting to an evil state. You really have to get malicious and malevolent and a lot of actors just won't and a lot of actors just don't get there. Their heart isn't in it. You have to find somebody who is comfortable with the idea with that idea and it isn't threatened by it he knows it is him but he could go there robert england fit the bill after we found him quite late in the casting quite late quite late uh he del his delight with it is that he had <sighs> he had been playing nebishes and good guys fuck he had been playing nebishes and good guys and was looking forward to playing somebody older and evil Ooh, older and evil older and evil He's got to look at a lot of old men. They could have just gone straight up to the guys at Disney, you know, and been like, hey, so I got this movie and uh, one of you guys looks like the guy that I need for the role. Get out again. I don't know who let you back in here. All right. So Wes wanted also wanted a no name actor to play Nancy and he found her in Heather Langkamp. Uh, there were actually, an interesting thing about this was, there were actually no separate auditions for Nancy and Tina. All 200 actresses who auditioned for Nancy uh, were then asked to read as Tina when paired with another actress playing Nancy. So that's how he found his Tina and Nancy. Interesting. Yeah, I thought I thought that was pretty cool. So it's like, you know, 
you don't know what you're actually reading for. And a lot of directors do this because they want to see what you would do as the lead character so they can know if you're lead character material or if you're not, you might be a cool side character. That's a, that's a good point. That That is smart. That is smart. It's smart casting. It also gets the job done a lot faster because you can like cast like four or five roles at one time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now you can just be like, all right, everybody send me a video of you reading the lines. And then you're at the end of the video, it's like, hey, I, I, uh, you want to see my butthole? And, you know, that's how you get roles. Yeah, unfortunately. All right. So Johnny Depp, as we said, was also a no-name actor at the time of casting. Uh, he went along with friend Jackie Earl Haley, uh, who you may know as playing Rorschach in uh, the Watchmen film, not the TV oh, series. That's fun. And what's interesting about that is that he would also go on to play Freddy Krueger in the 2010 remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, that's fun. I don't know if Jackie Earl Haley is actually as short as he appears in The Watchmen, but I can't imagine Freddy Krueger as like, you know what, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe I can imagine Freddy Krueger as a short dude. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't matter, because if he was shorter, he would just look like a little, like, creepy, uh, burned Wolverine. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so fun fact works. about Wolverine, he's like 5'4 in the books. So anyway, so Johnny Depp went along with Jackie Earl Haley uh, to the audition, not intending to audition, but was asked to once he was there. It's uh, it's one of those things. It was like made in the stars where Johnny Depp was like me and Wes Craven was like, yes, boy, come. All right. Just like that. <laughs> Just like that. And now we have Johnny Depp in our lives forever. We can't get rid of him. No. Someone else we can't seem to get rid of. Uh, Charlie Sheen was also considered for the role of Glenn, uh, but the production couldn't afford his salary. He literally wanted double what everyone else was making. Yeah, yeah. He wanted all the money, and then he wanted four eight balls of cocaine. <laughs> I mean, it was the 80s. It was cocaine city everywhere in L.A. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's talk about filming a little bit. All right, so the production began on June 11th, 1984. So this was actually a pretty quick turnaround from uh, June to November, uh, like, God, that's almost less than six months. Yeah. Jesus. All right, so the production was shot around L.A., uh, the most famous filming location being John Marshall High School, where Grease and Pretty and Pink were also filmed. I love that. I love how, you know, Grease, they're flying away in the car, and then you, like, get out there in the hood, or, like, the, the soft top pops up, and it's green and red. I love it because that's supposed to be a dream sequence as well. So that would actually be a cool crossover. Let's like make it. it. That's yeah. the lost ending to Grease. That's the lost ending they won't tell you about. Is that it's actually just a Freddy Krueger nightmare? I love it. I would love it if the, if Freddy Krueger just came through and just murdered everyone in that movie. That would make that movie okay in my book. Alright, so Nancy's address in the film is 1428 Elm Street, but in real life, the address of the house used is 1419 North Guineas Avenue. Mm, that doesn't have the same ring to it. No, it does not. As a matter of fact, it was kind of hard. It was a, it's a mouthful. I feel bad for whoever lives there because that information is just out there. So that's why I don't feel bad about repeating it here because it's out there. Nice. No, kind of like the guys that live in the uh, the full house house in San Francisco, except it's, you know, the Freddy Krueger house in Los Angeles. Exactly. Or the people that used to live in the Drake and Josh house, but the Drake and Josh house actually got like torn down. Oh, that's fun. It's fun. I don't know why. It was like a brand new ass house. All right. So, um. The boiler room and the police station scenes were shot at Lincoln Heights Jail, which, uh, don't worry, it wasn't a jail while they while they made this. The jail closed in 1965. Ah, uh, so there's a lot of, like, ghosts in there. I guess so. I mean, how many people die in 
like jails a year do you really want me to answer that question do you have a real answer to that question too many too many yeah one is too many uh no one should die incarcerated all right so over 500 gallons of fake blood were used for the film oh, 500 that's gallons that's a lot you know what's funny though is that uh starship trooper still holds the record for the most fake blood used. so how many gallons did they use in starship troopers I mean, there's blood, like, every other second in, like, the second half of that movie. So it's gotta be, like, thousands. Like, it's gotta it's gotta be in the hundred thousands of gallons. It's kind of like that one scene from that Adams Family movie where they're in the school play and they start hacking each other's arms off and it just shoots blood, like, in a fire hose. I love that. <laughs> I love the Adams Family movies. Those are, that's, that's some of my favorite, like, must-watches around Halloween. All right. So, when you think 500 gallons of fake blood in A Nightmare on Elm Street, you must think that that was used uh, in Glenn's death scene. You'd actually be wrong. Um, so, uh, this is what is known as the blood geyser scene. Uh, yes. So, Glenn is uh, pulled down into, I guess, Freddy's boiler room uh, through his bed. There's a giant hole in the bed, and then just blood starts spewing out of it. And it's fucking awesome. Um, so, this was actually achieved by rotating the set 180 degrees, a.k.a. Uh -huh. upside down... And uh, fixing the camera so that it would be filming what would look like right side up in uh in like you know on screen, and yeah, they yeah, just yeah. started dumping um red dyed water into the set. That's fun. I I'm I'm glad for them. I'm glad that they were able to do that. Yeah, it's super cool, and that's actually how they shot um Tina's death scene as well. Because if you remember, like she's uh there, uh, you know, he pushes her all up 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 on the wall and then onto the ceiling. Mm -hmm. That's how they shot that as well interesting so does that mean that they just had to strap rod down to the floor real quick uh no he was probably superimposed oh uh, that's dumb <laughs> i mean that would be dope as shit and it would explain why he's very still in that scene but i i have a feeling that they just superimposed him on there because you can do that yeah 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 or you just you know cut it in here cut it in there there you go bada bing bada boom you're done all right so the scene where nancy is attacked in the bathtub was accomplished with a bottomless bathtub Oh, that's cool. So what, is Robert England just, like, standing in the bottom of this giant pool of water? Yeah, basically, so, like, the... Well, uh, sorry, I misspoke. It's a it's a bottomless pool with a bathtub built on top of it. So, yeah, uh, basically, it might not have even been Robert England. It might have been a stunt person just, you know, was underneath. Um, I'm assuming that uh, Nancy is sitting on, like, a... Uh, probably, like, a chair or something that they built on the bathtub. Uh -huh. And that's probably also why she's sitting like that. But we can also get into the implications of why she's sitting like that and, like, the whole scene itself later. But probably the stunt actor was, like, underneath and just pulled the claws up. Yeah. Um, and, of course, um, they use a stunt person for when she actually goes under. Mm-hmm. Because um, she was under there for a long, long, long-ass time. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe also had to do something similar in Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Not Equus? Not Equus. <laughs> no, he didn't have to be submerged in, you know, horse juice? I don't... I don't like horse juice. Because I don't immediately think semen. I'm thinking like, you know... Jello? I guess that is technically horse juice. Yes. I hate this. I hate this podcast. All right. So the melting staircase was a comp... Uh, so like when... um sh the, the melting staircase. That's when Nancy's like going up the staircase. Uh, when 
Freddy's chasing her towards the end of the movie and her feet are like getting stuck inside of the stairs. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool scene. Uh, they accomplished that with a uh, pancake mix. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, so did they eat it afterwards? I I doubt it. It's pro- I'm just it, picturing it, Robert England in full makeup being under the stairs going, ah, da, 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 yeah. just like eating all the pancake mix. <laughs> It, it had feet in it. You know what? It, weirder things happen in Hollywood every single day. This, this does not shock me at all. I, I hate this. Again, these Disney execs are probably really upset they didn't buy in. Oh, I'm sure they're just so upset that they didn't get to make Nightmare on Elm Street. You know, it, it, they got to make Frozen. They got to make all this other shit, but they really just wanted to make Nightmare on Elm Street. I wish they could have worked it out. Yeah, maybe, but you know what maybe they didn't have in Frozen? They didn't have young lady foot pancake mix. Yikes. All right. Um, so the scene where uh, Freddy Krueger comes through the wall while Nancy sleeps in the beginning of the film was accomplished by making the quote-unquote wall out of spandex. Yeah, this is actually one of my favorite, like, shots in the movie. And it's a practical effect. Like, it's yeah. so cool. As a matter of fact, I think everything in this movie is a practical effect. Yeah, no, I think it is. Which is, that's what I love about, like, these old horror movies. It's like, pretty much everything you're seeing is practical. Like, nobody, like, went in and, like, superimposed anything or, like, you know, put a ghost in the background that wasn't really there during filming. Like, I, I, I really like the practical effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a certain charm to them. They just look different. Yeah, and, like, if they're done right, like, they look really real. And, like, I mean... Nightmare on Elm Street, like we said, is very cartoonish and, like, dreamlike in nature. So, I think that some of, like, the more, like, dumb shit doesn't look as dumb to your brain because the whole thing's already dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that makes sense. it's consistent. Yeah, they're all real effects. Even though they're, like, clearly fake or unrealistic things, they are real effects exactly and like him coming through the thing through the wall like that's that's amazing also i didn't put it in the show notes but um this is also one of my favorite posters of all time ah yeah like the original poster for this thing it just looks fucking clean i love it all right craven included a scene from sam raimi's evil dead in the scene where nancy is trying to stay awake uh because rammy had included a the hills have eyes poster in evil dead That's pretty fun. So, like, they're just playing, like, movie tag here. Yeah, and they continue to do it because Rami returned the favor again by including uh, Freddy Krueger's glove in the tool shed sequence of Evil Dead 2. I remember that. Yeah, I always wondered why that was there. I was like, is that fucking Freddy Krueger's glove? And then, like, I guess I made up something in my head until I started doing research for this. So, like, oh, yeah, that's an actual thing that people do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, like that's just an actual tool that some people have. I don't know what it's for, but, you know, people have it. No, yeah, it's, it's for not tormenting children. Yikes. Again, Disney execs, get on it. Get on it. Let's do a remake. You guys disappointed me by dropping that uh, Yellow Submarine remake. Uh, Do a Nightmare on Elm Street remake. Do another one. Fuck it. Yeah, see, the problem with the uh, Yellow Submarine remake was all the acid and bush hair that they didn't want to include. (laughs) There's no bush hair in Yellow Submarine. There was about to be. (laughs) Good God. All right, so um, the original ending looked very much like the ending we get to see in the film, Uh, but did not feature Nancy and her friends getting trapped in the car or Freddy pulling the mother into the house. Uh, It was just supposed to have Nancy and her friends drive off into a sea of fog. Kind of like saying that life is very dreamlike as well. And it would also like kind of make you think like, does this mean they're going to heaven? Like, or like to the afterlife or wherever. Like, I think that would be a much cooler ending, but uh, New Line Cinema was just not having it. Yeah, I think the car scene is pretty cool though. 
like where they're all trapped in the car yeah i mean it's cool but like it's i mean and it's technically still leaves the same question of like okay so is she dreaming is she dead like what's going on yeah um i think i don't remember if it's the second movie or maybe the third movie but i'm pretty sure one of these movies ends with uh freddy krueger being the bus driver of a school bus that's dope i i think that's the third one because i remember that yeah i kind of like that because it really makes me think that he could be mr six from the six flags commercials as well <laughs> is and that that character's idea. name yeah 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 that bald guy with the glasses <laughs> remember when they tried to sell it off like that was an actual old man even though we all knew there was no way that was an actual old man yeah but it's tons of fun it, it's still fun and i want to see freddy krueger be the next mr six I, you know what get on it um halloween horror nights let freddy krueger be mr six halloween horror nights is uh universal studios i think Oh, but what was I, it? Fright Fest? Yeah, Fright, Fright Fest. Fest. Yeah, Fright Fest. Yeah, get Freddy Krueger, or at least get, like, Bugs Bunny dressed as Freddy Krueger. I think that would be fun. That would be pretty fun. I want to see him with that glove. I want to see him rake it across Porgy Pig's fucking ham hock. <laughs> I, I, I heard you struggle to say something not, like, majorly offensive. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I, I try to keep it clean. You try you to know. keep it clean. You try and keep it censored at times. Yes. Let's talk. Speaking of censorship, let's talk about the censorship in this movie. Um, so the film actually needed 13 seconds of cuts to get an R rating from the MPAA. What could they have possibly cut in those 13 seconds that changed it? I don't know. I mean, like that that Tina death scene is pretty graphic. I like, mean, so, sure, it's not more graphic than The Exorcist. Oh no, for sure not. But I mean, the MPAA, like, I feel like sometimes maybe they watch some of these movies like right before lunch and like they're all getting like a little pissy yeah like because I, I just imagine that being a room of karen's just like i need my panera i haven't yelled at anyone at panera in so long what is this oh that's disgusting he put his knives through nc-17 yes it's like and then, uh, there's two seconds of nipple there's two seconds of nipple get it out of my face my children and everyone else's children will never see this. And yes. then the filmmaker comes in like, I did not intend this for children. I don't care. Everything has to be safe for children. Yeah, all yeah. Right. And then one of the guys like, that lives underneath the Pentagon is in the background. Ha ha, all the suffering is incredible. <laughs> no one will ever know true cinema or true enjoyment. <laughs> anyway. oh, oh, is that a nipple? Gross. <laughs> that's not a nipple gross is that a dude's ass that's great yeah, right. yeah. kevin bacon's ass is still accepted <laughs> they let that pass but they had to cut 13 seconds from this movie I, to be fair i don't know what they cut i couldn't exactly find it but on their but the uncut version was shown in the uk and was released in the u.s one time can you guess what format it was released on john uh betamax Nope, Laserdisc. Ah, oh, pretty close. Yep, so uh, this is the only uh, home video release in America that features the uncut version of the film. So yet another reason for me to get a fucking Laserdisc player. I agree, and uh, surely you can get this on the internet now, but it's still cool to have it. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it's like, this is the only uncut version, so now it's like, I need that. I need the Who Framed Roger Rabbit Laserdisc, because it's got boobies in it. That allegedly. Allegedly. No, it's real. Anyway, and um... The Star Wars, uh, the, the original Star Wars trilogy, trilogy. That's one of the only ways to watch the um, non-special um, edition cuts of the Star original Star Wars trilogy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty dope. It's pretty dope. 
All right, so let's talk about the legacy of this film. So, uh, we've been kind of talking about it. This is another franchise. Um, there are currently nine films in the series, and I say currently because they're probably going to try and remake this again at some point. Uh, make a slasher cinematic universe. They already kind of got it started, but, uh, I think they should just ignore Freddy vs. Jason and redo that one. Oh, you just think they should redo Freddy vs. Jason? Well, I think they should do all of them. Like, I'd love to see, uh, Michael Myers and, um, Freddy and Jason and, uh, Chucky and Leatherface. I'd like to see them all in one movie. That would be kind of fun, like a family portrait. Exactly. Like, I think you'll, I think they'll have to wait until the copyright runs out on these to do that, so that way it, it'll be like a cheap movie to make. I see. I see. Um, I, I want to know in what world that Chucky has a chance against Leatherface. Um, I mean, he's small. Yeah, but Leatherface is Leatherface. That is true, and we will get to him next week. Wes Craven didn't want to do a sequel to the film. However, New Line wasn't going to not make a sequel to this thing. Like, I mean, how could they not? It's it, They just made $57 million. Yeah. Uh, like, they're gonna, re- they're gonna make another one of these things. And if that one's successful, then make another one. And then they'll just keep doing it until it's not successful anymore. Uh, which just so happened to be the one that Wes Craven came back for, which was uh, New Nightmare, which is kind of like a uh, more meta take on the nightmare on elm street series and it features a lot of the actors from the series like throughout it uh playing themselves Mm -hmm. and uh getting killed by freddy krueger which is he's like a different version of freddy krueger he's like a more like demonic version and like a lot closer to what wes craven like had originally envisioned for freddy krueger instead of making him as comical as he gets yeah yeah, in like the later installments someone had to be that though jason is not gonna you know crack any wise you know leatherface doesn't have any zingers leatherface can barely speak um (laughs) Except in uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. That is that is one of the more fun sequels I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also dry humps home with a chainsaw. Exactly. But we'll talk about that next week. We have plenty of time to talk about that next week. So New Nightmare was kind of like the template for Scream as well. That That's kind of what I'm getting from it. I haven't seen it, but I am interested in it. Uh, he also wrote the third entry in the Nightmare series, which was uh, Dream Warriors. But that pretty much ends Wes Craven's involvement. I'm sure he gets a lot. He sure. I'm sure he got a lot of royalties from it. Oh yeah, yeah, you have to. I mean, you made Freddy Krueger. Yeah, exactly. You're gonna get some shit out of it. Every time someone buys a plastic, weird, glovey knife hand thing at a, you know, Party City, or buys a hat and a sweater combo from a Target, you know, uh, Halloween pop up cardboard stand display, you're getting money. <laughs> you're getting money. Exactly. I'm sure his. I'm sure his children are still enjoying all of the. Uh, the merchandising uh, royalties. But again, the house that Freddy built. The house that Freddy built. You don't have New Line Cinema. You don't have Lord of the Rings without all this. All right, so uh, not as much merch is out there for this film as like, you know, Friday the 13th or Halloween. Like I always see Michael Myers. I always see Jason. I rarely ever see Freddy Krueger. Yeah, it's pretty much exclusively a Halloween thing. Yeah, and it is a movie I like to watch on Halloween, like, pretty religiously, honestly. Like, I I really do love this movie. Even though, like I said, not crazy about the ending. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. It definitely serves a purpose. It definitely fits a bill. And uh, that's more than a lot of movies like this can say. You know, it it is something that has some rewatch value. Exactly. Like, just the whole series. Like, I mean, maybe this year I'll actually just pull the trigger and buy, like, the, uh... 
<laughs> the like Nightmare on Elm Street like complete series package and just like try and get through all of them real quick. That'd be fun. Because I, I could probably do it in a weekend. Like just watch like two or three every day and then I'll be done with it. Um, all right. So the last thing I kind of want to talk about in the legacy is uh, in 1990 in 1988, Will Smith, uh, then known as the Fresh Prince, tried to make a song called A Nightmare on My Street. I remember this. Uh, which featured Smith, which uh, detailed an encounter of uh, the Fresh Prince with Freddy Krueger. Uh, a music video was shot without New Line Cinema's permission, and they kind of used like a Freddy Krueger stand-in. And uh, New Line sued the shit out of Will Smith. I I like it. You know, I, this is the most '80s thing that ever happened. Exactly. Uh, well. I say they sued the shit out of him, but, like, the lawsuit, like, happened pretty quickly. Um, the two parties settled out of court, but the song was still allowed to appear on Smith and DJ Jazzy Jeff's second album, I'm the Rapper, dot, 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 he's the DJ. Uh, with a disclaimer in the liner notes and a sticker on the actual LP that reads, This song is not part of the soundtrack and is not authorized, licensed, or affiliated with the Nightmare on Elm Street films. Uh, the song itself actually takes the motif from Nightmare on Elm Street, so it's, like, extra fucked up. Like, I can't believe they didn't get permission to do this. I mean, like, Will Smith was still a pretty popular musical act at the time. This was pr- kind of pre-Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But I, d- I don't see how they hey, how he couldn't have gotten the rights to this. I'm sure they would have went for it. Zach, it's called sampling. It's sampling. Yeah, okay, I understand. I understand sampling. And actually, that's probably why they didn't get in trouble for this, because sampling actually wasn't illegal back then. That's fun. I- I'm glad that we've, you know stamped out creativity exactly so now if you want to like sample something you got to pay that artist yeah 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 so if you want to take wap out of that cardi b song you know be prepared to pay out the wap for it (laughs) jesus christ all right so before we go let's uh let's talk about the themes of this film i I just want to go through this very quickly um so Freddy can be seen as a stand-in for the harshness of adolescence. Uh, He makes just being a teenager harder. Just like adults who use teenagers in one way or another, whether it be to exploit them commercially, to punish them for just being teenagers, etc. Right, I see Uh, that. The sexuality in the film is also in full display, but not just with the explicit sex scenes. Uh, Tina's death has a rape-like nature to it. While Freddy's hand coming up between Nancy's legs in the bathtub, uh, it shows how sex um, comes up as like confusing for like a- like early adolescence. Like the scariness of it and the strange feelings are shown and dealt with through the dreams in the film. I see that. Uh, I think this is also probably another victim of that like Reagan era sexual punishment motif that we saw kind of in Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, it's also why we have a lot of BDSM shit and like just God fuck Ronald Reagan. Like as we've been going through this, I'm just like, wow, Ronald Reagan really fucked us up. Honestly, though, I feel like uh, that's the the best kind of uh, catharsis we could have hoped for out of that is having more BDSM because of Ronald Reagan. I you know what more more power to the people, I guess. Alright, so Wes Craven had this to say, and uh, this is going to be my last Wes Craven um, quotation here. The notion of the screenplay is that the sins of the parents are visited upon the children, but the fact that each child is not necessarily stuck with their lot is still there. 
and I don't know what that means, but uh, thank you, Wes. Yeah, hopefully some of you viewers or listeners that are smarter than us can uh, let us know. Yeah, because I, I, I'm not entirely sure what that means, but I wanted to put it in here anyway for someone where it might make sense. Uh, Robert England had this to say, In Nightmare, all the adults are damaged. They're alcoholic, they're on pills, they're not around. And then he also adds, the adolescents have to wade through that, and Heather is the last girl standing. She lives. She defeats Freddy, which is, um, given the ending, I don't know if that's true. Right. So as we talked about earlier, I mean, it kind of represents uh, the lifestyles of the parents flowing down to them, or, uh, like, the shortcomings of their parenting being the thing that does them in, but that you can't escape it. You can escape it. You can be better than your parents. It is possible. And, you know, I really do feel like, with all of that said, and, like, some of the deeper themes to the film, I think this is one of the only slasher films that actually has something to say. And it says it pretty aptly. Like, you can feel like there's something... Like, when you watch this movie, you feel like it's, um, you know, like, you feel like it's trying to say something, or at least I do. It's It kind of almost feels like Heathers a little bit. I see what you mean. I, I do. Man, can you imagine Winona Ryder in this movie? Dude, if they could have gotten her, I, I would have been all for it. I mean, she would have been like 12, but you know, whatever. <laughs> this is also true. All right. Well, I think that's pretty much going to do it for Nightmare on Elm Street. Um, John, do you have anything else to say? No, I don't. I, I like this movie. I think it's really cool, and it's got a lot of uh, it's got a lot of unique qualities about it. It's not your uh, run of the mill slasher film. It's not super trashy. It's it's I'm not gonna call it academic, but it's more academic than most of the other films in this uh, right. vein. It's not horrible. It's not bad. It's pretty great though. Like it's like it's a fun Halloween watch. It's almost like a like your favorite Christmas movie that you know is like not the best movie ever made, but you still watch it every year anyway because it's a tradition. It's a tradition. Nightmare on Elm Street could be your Halloween tradition. Yes. And with that being said, that's gonna wrap it up for. For your information, I'm talking about A Nightmare on Elm Street. Uh, if you guys could go give us a like on our Facebook page, uh, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts so we can get more shitheads like you in here and we can get the community growing. Yes, we and hashtag justice for Johnny. Justice for Johnny. Um, so with that being said, for For Your Information, I'm Zach. And I'm John. One, two, Freddy's coming for you. <laughs> Watch a new movie this week. Bye, guys. Bye.